What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast, your go-to podcast for everything deer hunting gear related from your broadhead to your boots. We cover it all. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with a man named Christopher Leppert from Fueled by the Outdoors. Chris is one of the most active people I've ever met on social media. I have known of Chris for a really long time, but never had the chance to sit down and talk with him. But he runs the social pages Fueled by the Outdoors, and he has some really exciting things coming down the pipeline. If you are a mobile hunter, he is putting on a mobile hunters expo in July. I believe the dates are July 29th through the 31st. And if you're a mobile hunter and you're anywhere remotely near Southern Ohio, you should highly consider going to this expo. It's going to be a really great show. Exodus is going to be there as well. So you can get, you can come check out everything we have going on. It's a really exciting time for us. New stuff coming down the pipeline here very shortly. In this episode, we cover a lot of things from Chris's one sticking setup, his hybrid saddle tree stand setup, how he plans on hunting as close to buck beds as possible, what he's doing to silence his gear for that application, his self-filming gear, his bows, his arrows, his boot choice, everything you could possibly think of, we run down in this episode. So I am glad to be back sitting down with someone talking about whitetails. Chris, thank you for taking the time out of your day to record with me. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Pumped to be joined by Christopher Leppert from Fueled by the Outdoors. Did I pronounce that right, Chris? Yeah, God, you must be German as well, because... No, nobody gets my name right somehow. It's, I mean, it looks pretty self-explanatory to me. What are some of the, what are some of the variations you get there? Oh my God. I shouldn't say this. Uh, Lippert, Lippert, um, Leapert. Everybody says Leapert. And I'm like, there's two P's. There's not two E's. What are you doing? But now I'm going to have like a trillion people saying that. So. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because when you texted me earlier today and you said Cameron Deer. I get that so often. I'm like, there's two R's, man. Like, there's only one E. You guys are deer. You guys are deer hunters. You should know how to spell deer and dirt. I agree. So <laughs> I had my one year old son in one arm, and I was he was trying to hit buttons on my phone, and I typed in dirt, and when I hit send, dude, autocorrect bit me hard, and it, <laughs> I looked down and it says deer, and I'm like, dude, really? That's so all right. Him, I set him down. I was like. You got to go down for a second, man. <laughs> That's all right. I wish my last name was Deer. How cool would that be? So today we have we have Chris here. And Chris, you might be one of the most active people on social media that I know. And I have known of you for a really long time just from activity on social media, but we've never had the chance to connect or, or talk. So I'm, I'm thankful to have you here. And you, you have something really, really exciting going on that I can't wait for, and a lot of people are talking about, and there's a lot of buzz around it, and that is the Mobile Hunters Expo that you have been working really hard to provide us as mobile hunters with a great experience and a great opportunity. So why don't you explain a little bit about what you have going on there? Yes, sir. So first off, thank you. Um, The Mobile Hunters Expo was an idea I had last year on June 29th. Uh, I, I'm kind of 
weird. I remember weird dates and stuff, so forgive me. But um, I was sitting there thinking uh, I had partnered with Eastern Woods Outdoors and I wanted to do something for them similar to like a saddle meetup. A lot of these guys have all these meetups and I thought that'd be pretty cool. And then some of the Buckmasters guys contacted me about putting on an event since we run a group fueled by the outdoors. Um, it's fair, you know, it's nothing like, you know, run and gun or anything like that, but it's, it's got quite a few people. Um, so they wanted to try to put on an event and get some deer together to score. So I thought, all right, you know, we'll have both of them. And then, you know, people will be drawn to both and that'll create a bigger crowd. And then I thought, man, why don't we invite everyone? And then we could have this sweet experience where, you know, cause we were going to mess around with a bunch of different saddles. And of course it would be, you know, all Eastern woods outdoors sticks and stuff, which they're cool. Love them. Great guys. But I, I'm a guy that likes to try everything and I want to know the truth. And, you know, if I, if I'm sponsored or partnered or whatever, I don't care. I just want to know and, and say it. So, and let other people find out. So I thought, let's just send a bunch of people some messages that I don't even know and see if they'll come. And it was funny because um, we, we put it together in three weeks and promoted it for 10 days online. Uh, we didn't have any other platforms helping. It was just what we'd created, which is fairly small compared to a lot. So um, we had a couple hundred people show up and the amount of engagement that took place, which is kind of, um, if you're, I think you might be in our group, um, Fueled by the Outdoors. Uh, that's the one thing that I kind of take pride in is no matter how big any of us get, how big we grow, we're always going to message people back and speak with them and reply to them when they comment on something and, and interact. So uh, we built some polls and had, I think we had 10 vendors. Um, we had a bunch of raffles and everything, and we donated half the proceeds to, um, I don't know if you're aware of the game more than that was shot. Mm-hmm. I believe it was last year. Yep. Well, not this past season, but the season yeah. before, 2020. Uh, he was shot down here in I, I think Clinton County. So we donated half donated half the proceeds to him, um, just as kind of a cool thing. Um, so it, it really worked out. People supported it, and uh, we got together with everybody afterward. And I was just like, hey, you know, was this something that you feel was worth your time that you'd like to get behind and do next year? And everybody was a resounding yes. So um, we started putting it together this year. And I think we sold all of our spots in like three or four weeks or something, which we had, I think we had uh, 30 spots or, well, we had 37 spots, but a lot of people wanted, um, you know, two two spots for like you guys, you guys are doing two to, to fit all your stuff. So, um, we had to go back up and like remeasure around the outside of the building and stuff to fit some more people. Because of course, as soon as we said online, Hey guys, sorry, we're sold out. We have no more room. Of course, the messages start pouring in and I'm like, Oh my God, why couldn't you message me like three weeks ago? So we annoyed the lady that rented us the building again. 
and uh, went back up again and, and measured some places. And I think we're going to be able to fit the majority of the people that want to come. So pretty exciting. Uh, going to be a good time. We've got um, Jake Bush, Greg Staggs, uh, for those that one stick you, and you're online, you got to know that guy. Uh, Jacob Emery with DO3 Outdoors and then um, Aaron Ritter with Limitless Outdoors are all going to be doing demos and speaking and stuff like that. So it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that show. I remember uh, seeing you advertise it before I had even talked to you. And I was like, man, that's something. I mean, that's right up my alley. That aligns so well with this podcast. It's all about mobile hunting gear and deer hunting gear. So I was like, I, if Exodus doesn't go, I need to go. So I reached out to you and that's when we kind of connected for the first time. Um, why don't you, if you have a, a short list of vendors or uh, like a, a, just a short list you can go through to kind of tell people what to expect or if they want to go check it out, what sure. are the dates and who's going to be there? So the dates are July 29th. That's a Friday through July 31st. Um, Friday is kind of a limited access experience. We're only selling 35 tickets and we have 12 left. It's $125 a ticket. And essentially it's going to get you a fully catered dinner um, with a couple of beers or soda or water, whatever you want. Um, and then we're just basically going to hang out, probably shoot a few arrows if you want to bring your bow. Uh, you'll get first crack at all the vendors, of course. So for a lot of the guys that like to film and create content, well, now you don't have a thousand people walking around making noise, affecting your audio, and you just get a more personalized experience with people. I was, I'll, I'll tell this mini story. I was fortunate enough to go shed hunting with Jake Bush. And I would assume you, have you guys spoke with him? Yep. Okay. So that guy's a wizard. Um, <laughs> he's amazing. And I learned a lot of what I'm doing now from him. So for guys to be able to walk up to these different dudes and ask them questions and, you know, not have to message them or call them or any, you know, you're face to face, here we are. So it's going to be a really cool experience. Um, and that gets you in to the film festival, which is Saturday night and get you in all weekend and you'll get early access on Saturday. Um, tickets for uh, the other two days are 13 bucks a piece online. You, that can be found on Eventbrite under Mobile Hunters Expo. Um, our vendor list here, I can, I guess, I haven't released this yet, so let's do it now. Um, we have a few social media people, uh, like groups, I guess, Antler Addiction 365 will be there and the Bow Hunting League will be there. Um, a lot of people on here will probably know them. We've got Apex Custom Gear, Backwoods Mobile Gear, a local scent company in Brush Creek Monsters, Buckeye Archery Supply. They're an archery shop located in Chillicothe. Uh, let's see, Buckmasters, Bullman Outdoors. He specializes in steps and rings of steps. Buzzard Roost Saddles. Cruiser, Custom Gear Modifications, Dryad, Eastern Woods Outdoors, my boys over at Elevate Stand Company, my boys at Exodus Outdoor Gear, uh, Foxtrot Ammo will be there, Hunter's Blend Coffee, Hunt Light, they're a very new saddle company, Huntworth, um, Innovating the Outdoors, Latitude Outdoors, Legend Saddle Gear, Made by the Outdoors, 
um, New York Saddle Hunter, which they're another social media group, but he actually also sells SRT and DRT setups. Um, O'Hara Taxidermy, out on a limb. They're a local taxidermy, by the way, uh, taxidermy shop. Out on a limb manufacturing, Pursuit Platforms. For those of you that haven't heard of them, they're a plastic platform company. It's pretty slick. Uh, Real Deal Amsteel, Rebel Metal Fabrications, the Amsteel guy, Trophy Line, Two Bore Saddles, TX5 Custom Gear, Ultimator, Wild Edge Inc., and XOP will be there. Man, that's a that's that's a lineup. Like I always say, what a time to be a mobile hunter. I mean, and what a show to be a mobile hunter. So like anything, and if you have never tried it or you have interest in trying it, like that's the place to be. Um, so I'm really excited for for that. And as Exodus, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have some new products coming down the line that we haven't spoke about yet. And that show, the Mobile Hunters Expo, will be the first show that those products are available at or not available at but seen in person so hands-on experience so that'll be pretty neat uh that should be a big hit for us um can't can't say a whole bunch about about what's coming but uh it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah if if you've been following along with exodus at all you've seen us kind of change a lot of our social platforms and we are no longer exodus trail cameras anywhere you look it is exodus outdoor gear and we ask everyone to like refrain from calling us Exodus trail cameras to, to showcase that we aren't just a trail camera brand and we're a manufacturer in the outdoor gear space. So we have some really cool stuff going on, but, um, that's enough about us here. We're, we're here to talk about you. Um, so I like, I want to get an idea of who you are as a hunter. So say we had, uh, video game set up here and we were someone was going to choose Christopher Leppert as their character what would they be getting out of that so what what are your some of your hunting characteristics in three three words um I would say aggressive aware and what is a what is a really good I, I would almost say like a pessimistic skeptic if anything, like, you know, you kind of sent me some stuff as examples and I saw the word skeptic and I'm, I'm going to go like one step for like, I call BS on everything. If I, if I feel like if there's something fishy going on, man, I, I want to know. And I'll, I'll be the first to speak up. Heck yeah. Skepticism is the chastity of the intellect, as Stephen Ranella would say. Um, if you had like a phrase that hits you home. Like mine is work smart, not hard. Chad will say you get what you pay for or buy once, cry once. What like your, your gear related buying process, like what's, what's a phrase that describes that? You can be comfortable going in and out of the woods or going up and down and while you're in the tree. So when you're purchasing gear, you're looking for new things to test out or you, if you had to like look back at your setup and everything you have now, what are you prioritizing? What are you basing your decisions off of? Like why you're trying a certain item or why you're purchasing a certain item? Is it packability? Is it weight? Is it price point? Where do you stand there? So this is going to sound super 
I guess, arrogant, but I'm, I'm going to align myself a little bit with the buy once, cry once, get what you pay for type deal. Like, I believe that. I don't think there's a lot of things out there in the mobile hunting world that are cheap and high quality. I just don't think that you find it because anybody, anybody in the world um, that knows their value, they're not going to do their work for nothing. So it only makes sense that you're going to pay money for something good. So with that said, I'm not looking at, at a price. I'm looking at a middle of the road, packability and versatility. You know, obviously, you know, I'm not going to be as comfortable in a saddle as I am a climber. But there again, you know, I can't take a climber one tenth of the places I go in a saddle. So um, there's a lot of different things that I'm looking for. Uh, I'm a one sticker, but there are places that I hunt, uh, which, you know, field edges, edges of streams, lakes, ponds, whatever, where you have these crazy trees that you couldn't make up if you tried. <laughs> and generally, you know, especially on like a body of water, you're not facing the water, you're facing away the water from the water. Well, where's the tree facing? It's reaching way the hell out over the water. And so um, a lot of times I try to control my access uh, using water. I try to just keep my scent down as much as possible and not disturb the area as best I can. So a lot of times I'll step out of a kayak and take less than 10 steps to get to a tree. And so if the deer are coming down to the water, I have to be facing them and I can't one stick up the other side of that tree. And if I go up the other side and I make a wrong move and slip off, I'm gonna look like a plum bob hanging off a sycamore. So I gotta be careful about that. So a lot of times I'll, I'll two stick in that situation. Um, I like, I have, I won't say I have every setup known to man because I'm not big personally, not gonna down it, but I'm not big on the SRT and DRT because for me, the whole point of mobile hunting is to ambush an animal that has no idea that a stand's ever been there. Nobody's ever climbed this tree uh, or hasn't that year. And I'll, a lot of times I'll be in a 50 by 50 yard area and bounce around a five, six, seven different trees trying to kill a buck. So uh, I'm looking at gear that's versatile and I have multiple setups. In, in big timber, I'm one sticking all day because a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm hunting where kind of where some of you guys are uh, in Southern Ohio and you're not, you're not wanting to carry a lot of weight there. So um, I'm, I'm one sticking there. If I don't have as far a walk or I'm accessing with a kayak, then I'm taking a stand, two sticks with eighters and I'm gonna hybrid hunt the way like a Jake Bush does or something. Um, with a saddle and a stand so that it kind of answered that was like a really long way to answer the question but no yeah that's good and that that'll kind of lead us into the specifics on those setups so what is in, in your uh one sticking method what's your one stick setup look like so my one stick is a 15 inch um eastern woods outdoors uh the ultimate one stick with the up platform um, it's got the rope mod and the cam cleat on it. And then I have the three-step ultimator uh, hanging off the bottom step there. So essentially, 
when I put that, a lot of guys don't believe this, but you can, if you work at it at all, you can smoke somebody going up a tree because I'm five nine on a great day and my platform's at seven and a half feet when I put it on the tree. Obviously, depending on the tree, if you have weird branches or knots, you know, you might not be able to get that high, but on a good tree, I'm, I'm starting at seven and a half feet and it takes 20 seconds to take the stick off and get it on the tree. So um, I use 40 feet of Dynaglide as my throw line with a little, just a cheapo carabiner. Um, and then I have 40 feet of Canyon CIV uh, for my rappel line. I'm using a Mad Rock Safeguard with that. Even though I plan on going to a Munter's hitch and backing that up with an auto block and a carabiner, using a carabiner. Um, and then, let's see here, make sure I covered everything. And I use a, um, I use a, a quick link, like a triangular shaped quick link on the end of that CIV rope. So I think I covered that all. Oh, and I have the pack and play that packs up the ultimator on the bottom step of the stick. If you are adding, uh, you said in some scenarios, you'll two stick. What is the next stick that you're bringing with you? So I'll actually ditch the one stick and mm. just bring two of my 20 inch. Uh, they're the EWO feather sticks. They're super light. They're fluted. Um, and those are double steps. Uh, oh, I'm a huge double step guy. I hate single step sticks. Um, those both have um, three step. Uh, excuse me, not ultimators. They have three-step sewn aiders from uh, EWO. Cool. So you said you're a guy that tries it all, right? You're a guy that likes to try everything. How did you land on the EWO sticks? What did you like about them that you didn't like about other options? So honestly, a lot. So my buddies, um, they talked me into all this. This is so weird because I, I was a diehard, the diehard climber guy, you know, wouldn't leave the summit alone. And uh, they started buying these freaking lone wolf sticks and, you know, they're going up whatever tree they want. I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. And then I looked, <laughs> wow, they were able to go up there and he killed a deer and, you know, he only had to use two or three or whatever. And so um, I started shopping around and I was going to get those, but I, did not like the moving step and I didn't like the single step. I used them a couple of times and I felt like I was basically on a, um, oh, what do you, like the screw in steps. I remember those days back when I was stupid. I didn't wear a safety harness because I just spring myself to safety somehow, right? <laughs> As an 18 year old bulletproof kid. Oh, yeah. So um, standing there, you know, I was just exhausted. I'm like, I need double steps. So I'm talking to my buddies that run double step sticks and everybody, this was when out on a limb was just the biggest there really was that I saw anyway. Um, the guy couldn't keep stuff in stock. And uh, I was looking at the Shikars and they happened to run a sale and I freaking missed it because I was on vacation or something. Man. And, and I was like, no. So I messaged EWO. And 
here we are. <laughs> so I, I ended up just kind of lucking into that. And then now that I've tried um, the out on the limb, the I've tried the bee sticks, I've I haven't tried every single like I haven't tried the timber ninja or uh, like the tethered one or anything like that. But man, I have yet to meet anything that beats that standoff. Um, when it comes to standoffs, EWO sticks are just the whip. So that's kind of how I landed there. And I was very lucky if I'm being real. Yeah. I mean, when you find something like that too, that you just absolutely fall in love with and it's what you got used to first, it's hard to change. So oh, yeah. there's oh, yeah. a, a lot of options out there. And like, I've done the same thing where I'll, I'll get a new set and I'm like, man, I just keep going back to my B sticks. Cause that's what I'm comfortable yeah. with. Yep. Um, yeah. So what saddle are you running when you're hybrid hunting? Latitude method too. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I love, I love their saddle. Um, because for me, I'm a sitter rather than a leaner. Yep. So if you're a, a leaner, then a single panel saddle is probably going to be the way to go more often than not. You won't even need a back band. Um, for me, I'm a sitter. I wear knee pads when I'm in the tree. Um, and that's, that's just how I get comfortable. I have certain trees. I'm such a nerd. I, if I can find a certain tree, like a white oak tree with a softer bark, I'm climbing that thing just because it's easier on the knees and, and all that. But, um, I love their, their dual panel saddle. And honestly, being in the industry, I'm sure you can appreciate when you run into really good business people and it's tough to top latitude. I can't wait to see what they have at the, at the mobile hunters expo. There's some, there's some things, there's some things. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to finally, uh, see, meet them in person. Chad hunted with Alex out in Wisconsin last year at the end of the year with, uh, the beast crew and, they couldn't say enough good things about them. So really, uh, really love hearing that you're running the latitude method too. That's the same saddle I'm running. Even if I was, even if I was a leaner, I am a sitter as well. The ability to take that second panel and basically put it away and you have a single panel, the versatility there just makes sense. I mean, if you have, if you're a single panel guy, that's fine, but having the second panel, I don't see how that could ever hurt you. You mentioned also that you'll use a ring of steps. What has been your experience like with a ring of steps? So I no longer use them. That's how the whole mobile thing actually oh, okay. really started. So we, we started that group on Facebook and it started exploding a little bit. And a gentleman reaches out to me and he said, Hey, why don't you try these? Maybe post about them, whatever. Here you go. So I'm like, Oh, cool. So I took, I actually didn't use them for a year because I was so nervous about it. And like you said, I was comfortable. Didn't want to come out of my way. Well, then I killed 170 inch deer. And the first, the first thing he said was, were you using those steps? And I'm like, <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. No, I wasn't. So I was like, man, I should probably use them, you know? So I, I put them on the tree and I went up the tree fairly easily with them, but I didn't have a good mobile stand. I had, 
God, that thing was probably 25 or 30 pounds. Mm. It was a hang on. I had to use, uh, it was like ratchet straps with the hooks and everything. And I'm just like, Oh dude, this, this sucks. Like it took me 10 minutes to get up the tree and 30 minutes to hang the stand. So I ended up getting a better stand. Didn't really mind it too much. Um, and then I tried the ring of steps and if you're a minimalist, that's like, like an ultra minimalist, that's as, about as minimalistic as it's going to get. And they're nice for that. They weren't super comfortable for me at the time. And on top of that, I found myself really fighting gravity just like crazy. And then foot placement when trying to move on a deer was very difficult. So yes, they're nice because you can move 360 degrees around a tree, but it's also very difficult when you're fighting gravity. So I kind of went away from that. I went to two sticks and a ring of steps still uh, went out opening day here in Southern Ohio. And me and my buddy were just gonna film killing a couple of does. We were in a white oak flat from hell that just dropped those, uh, uh, what are they? There's the chestnut oak and then the uh, chinkapin oaks. Mm -hmm. And they were raining and I thought, man, I'm gonna kill a doe this morning and film it and pack it out and just do the whole nine and just practice filming and have a good time with my buddy and get some deer meat on opening day. I had a doe come in like 30 minutes, minutes to the hunt and what does she do? Circles around and comes right behind me to where I can't move at all. And if I'm in a stand or on a larger platform or something, it's not an issue. But just trying to get a hold of my bow, fighting gravity, was hell on earth. So after that, after a few uh, expletives and such, um, <laughs> I decided to not go that route anymore. And that's when I got into the two-sticking uh, with a stand and then went into the one sticking. So you totally bypassed taking four sticks with you. Uh, I've done it a few times. I have four of the EWOs, but um, I didn't need to. Um, I, I'm So I'm a guy that hunts cover rather than a number. I love being up high because I feel like I can do jumping jacks and worry a little less about the wind sometimes. But at the end of the day, uh, especially with how I'm doing things now, I'm seven and a half to 16 feet up at best. And a lot of times I'm in that 10 to 14 range. I'm the same way. I, I've never, last year I didn't take four sticks with me at all. Well, I took four sticks every time, but I only used three most of the time. And I have the beast minis, I have short legs. So I'm in the same, I'm most of the time I'm in like, 12 foot, 14 foot. And I'm, that's about it. And I, I haven't had a reason to need to go higher. So I will admit this to you too. Cause I remember you talking a little bit about this, having like being a little uneasy with some heights or something. Um, coming down from two sticks was a lot easier for me uh, rather than coming down from four. Cause when you're way, I mean, if I took all four sticks, they all have haters and everything. So I'm pushing 30 feet in the tree and uh, I, 
man, that's pretty high. And it only takes one time at the time, keeping in mind that I'm, um, you know, using a lineman's rope, uh, not even a tether, just a lineman's rope to come down. So it, it takes one slip to bust your face or gore yourself on a stick because they're, man, those B sticks, the EWO, Shikar, they're solid. They're not moving unless you pop the bottom. So you could open yourself up a mile and a half from the truck with no cell service and nine night. So um, now it wouldn't bother me because I just rappel down. And I feel, have you done that yet? I haven't. I, I haven't dedicated enough time to practice and get the, the setup, but it's going to, it's going to happen eventually. So I will say I'm kind of, other than what I just said, I'm, I can be pretty um, carefree when it comes to going way up in a tree. It's the coming down, really, that sucks. So I'm never afraid of falling. I'm afraid of, you know, coming down. Once I start coming down, your momentum is not working in your favor. So um, I've never felt more safe. After the initial probably three practice tries using that mad rock, I couldn't tell you that anything's ever felt safer ever. I feel more safe than I do in a fully harnessed like roller coaster or something. I mean, you just, you have all the control and it's going to take a tree breaking or a mechanical device severely failing before you fall and, and you're able to control everything so minutely um, and come down and just, you know, hands free, take your sticks off, drop them down, hook them to your saddle, whatever it is you do with your system. And then you come down to the ground, rip your stuff off the tree, back everything up and you're gone in seconds. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned the safety aspect of that because it seems like a lot of people's hang up with saddle hunting or one sticking or repelling is that they don't feel safe doing it. And I started saddle hunting because of the safety aspects of it and being connected to the tree all the time. And I kind of relate that to, or, um, I think the reason why I feel safer in a saddle opposed to a hang on or even a ladder stand for that matter is the tether physically holding me. And I feel the connection when you have a harness on, you don't feel that harness grabbing you until you're falling. So, until that situation happens, you feel like you're just up there free and anything could happen. It always freaked me out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny that the, the things that seem scarier or less safe are actually the opposite. So I'll, I'll eventually find myself diving down that road. I know it's in my journey. I know, I know that it's going to happen, but this summer has been so wild I uh, I haven't taken my sticks out of my pack from November last year, so I'm uh I'm I'm behind the eight ball. I it's been it's been a wild time here for us, so I'll get there. I'm like I said, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with what I'm currently using, so I don't necessarily feel the need to practice as much as I have in the past. But every once in a while in the summer, in the future, I'm, I'm going to take my sticks out, climb a tree, make sure everything's in working order, make sure everything's silenced up. Um, so that, that's going to come, but I, I think the one sticking is in my future because of the 
my minimalist feeling and how only having to take one stick just makes a lot of sense. Especially, I was gonna just going to say, especially because I find myself hunting on the ground more than hunting in a tree and only having one stick with me is going to be a lot easier to move around or deal with if I decide not to get into a tree instead of opposed to having three or four sticks on my pack. That's just another thing I have to carry around. Absolutely. I will say, so at the end of last year, um, I got into a sort of different pack setup, if you will. I started using a turkey hunting vest hmm. and all of my self-filming equipment and one stick and gear, everything I need to go up and down a tree fits in this little Alps long spur deluxe Turkey vest and walking into the woods with that was a dream. <laughs> and I'm not, I, I'll carry, you know, I, I got Weston hunt and, um, you know, we've packed out animals and I used to carry around a, a pack on a climber that had like 25 pounds of filming gear and everything. So uh, no stranger to carrying a lot of weight, but oh, when you've got a sub 10 pound setup with self filming equipment, you're feeling good. One thing I want to, I want to talk about is you, you, t- we talked earlier and a lot, you mentioned Jake Bush and a lot of the stuff that you're learning from him and something interesting that you're doing ultra beast style hunting over buck beds and this is something that we need to break down because in a lot of people's minds already that they don't want to get close to beds. They don't want to push the issue being as aggressive as mobile as possible. How are you getting set up to hunt over top of a bed? What What's the process there? So I'm, I'm not looking. So when you say over top to me, that's like you're in shooting distance of that animal when he, stands up so i'm not looking to get quite that close but in my opinion if you you know outside of the rut and a lot of times inside the rut um i don't feel like you're ever in the game more than a couple of days a year if you aren't in if you're not under 125 yards at least and oftentimes sub 100 yards from that buck's bed he's literally mature for a reason and people can try any gimmick they want they can they can try to cut whatever corner they want the the best corner you can cut is hard work like yeah like that yeah exactly like from talking to so many different people that consistently either kill or have multiple encounters a year with mature bucks and and like not the guy who killed the buck and said he was mature i'm talking like you look at it and you're like oh yeah that's that's the dude right there so they all say the same thing to me they'll watch a buck stand up out of his bed and he won't walk more than 50 to 75 yards away from it until it's dark and then he'll go on and a lot of like last year my buddy pierce watched 160 plus inch deer stand up out of his bed in the middle of a grassy field. The snow and ice was melting off of the trees and it was creating a lot of movement and a lot of noise. And you, he could tell he felt uneasy 
and he'd get up, stand up, stretch his legs, mill around, and then lay back down and, and just never more than 50 yards from his bed. And every time I went hunting last year, I, I tried with what I knew at the time to get as close to where I thought the deer might be bedding, uh, according to my camera intel and my visual with binos or whatever from a, you know, the truck or whatever. So doing the, uh, what they call them, observation sits and stuff. So um, for me now, talking to Jake and learning from him, I'm trying to get a hundred yards or less from a deer's bed and hope and pray that I can figure out how he's leaving that bed to go to a secondary food source and like walking around with that dude, he's explaining things and light bulbs are just exploding in my head from different hunts and different places that I've hunted. I couldn't wait to get home because all I wanted to do was look at topo maps and, and be like, oh, that's why those deer were daylighting on camera every day. Like, no wonder, duh, stupid, you know? So I'm looking at secondary food sources, which in, in my area are, are obviously gonna be acorns or green briars. So um, I'm trying to get the best camera intel that I can and physically lay in these deer's beds sit down in them and just see what I can see and then start picking trees down below them, you know, just over the crest of a, a little hill knob, uh, you know, whatever, just to where I can barely sneak in up the backside of the tree. For anybody that watched his video, um, Dad's Buck, I think it was called, literally that's what he did. Crept up the back of a tree hiding. The deer may have been able to see him um, you know, had he gone on the other side of the tree, like that's how close the dude's getting. So I thought, all right, this is three in a row for this guy in three years. He's not stupid. I need to reach out and be like, Hey, tell me what you're doing. So that's what I'm going to try to do. Uh, I went to Kentucky, um, a week and a half ago and went to a place I'd hunted before studied a topographical Mac map as soon as I got home from shed hunting with him and looked and I was like I'll bet that's where they're bedded go to the place I find some beds and then I found the bed beat down to the dirt huge and there's hair beaten into the mud and just the whole nine and you everything you're looking for yeah literally it was just different from everything else and set up for what we have now which is you know your predominant win right now here a southwest wind and you're going to have that probably until next march really in ohio <laughs> um, yeah. here anyway you guys get some cold weather up there but we we get screwed down here so uh it was on a south it was set up for a southwest wind uh you know bedding wind to back and you know he could literally see way out in front of him and i'm like if ever there was a bed this is it so we got some cameras up and uh we're doing, I, I did the same thing here in Ohio about three weeks before that. And then um, I'm headed to Illinois, Nebraska and uh, Indiana to do the same things. And I'll, I mean, I'll have probably two or three WMAs per state and some private land here in Ohio as well that I'll set up cameras on. But private land, 
sucks unless you have a lot because you can't bounce around. And if he's not bedded there, he's not bedded there. And now it's a cameras and waiting game, which I can do that as well. But I like the aggressiveness and getting done early. I darn near um, punched my ticket last year, uh, opening weekend. And then again, two weeks later, uh, I wasn't downwind enough of the scrape and he got downwind and winded me and won the game. So, (laughs) but yeah, that's pretty much how I'm going to hunt this year for the most part. Are you doing anything different to your current gear setup, your equipment to silence it, to be able to get closer? Have you changed anything on the silencing side of things? So I've been terrible about that and I am going to, that is probably my focus for this year is uh, my, my two big things that I keep trying to coach myself up on is a, you need to be better with being quiet, eliminating all the dings, tings, and tangs. So I'm going to, um, I'll put in like a trillion dollar order with uncle Lou and just stealth strip the hell out of everything. Um, I know there's some other companies out there, but I can't, I haven't really interacted with any of them yet. So, uh, I know uncle Lou makes a hell of a product though, and it's worked on my sticks, but I think I'm just going to cover them and cover my mad rock safeguard, uh, every carabiner, everything that I have. Uh, I'm going to put some underneath my arrow rest instead of moleskin um, just because the adhesive and everything about it is just phenomenal. So it just deadens everything. So that's going to be a a major step for me. And then the other thing is while I'm a kind of a one stick guy, like I told you, some of these areas I'm going to have to take two sticks in because if I make one wrong move and come off the side of that tree, that deer sees you and you're done game's over yep yep and and literally you know to put this in perspective it's not that a hunt is over it's that winter and spring and summer scouting and hundreds or thousands of dollars in gas batteries can't you know people don't take all that into effect you know put all that in to the equation so uh, mosquitoes seed ticks green briars all of that was for nothing in one little move so yeah You talked a lot about the self-filming aspect and the filming side of things and used to be taking 25 pounds of camera equipment. What is your self-filming setup now? I know you have some really cool things going on there. Yeah, so um, we kind of, you know, we weren't the first person to ever record something with a phone, but we had a lot of people that didn't think you could. They'd kind of make fun of you or whatever. And I kept telling guys, man, I'm telling you, these phones are just getting better and better. And right now, unless I'm in crazy low light, I can film something in 4k. And, and for a self filmer, if I have you filming me, man, give me a DSLR or something any day, but to try to self film and do something manually, that's like 99.9% impossible. It's very difficult, especially suicide. Yeah. And it's, you know, a guy like yourself, who's, who's very well educated with these things. I don't know a lot about them and I don't have the time to put into that when I'm constantly doing everything else. So you have to give something up. So we decided to try to use phones. And at first we looked at aftermarket lenses so you could get a little bit better zoom. Um, 
we did that and that worked out fairly well. And then, you know, Zoom got way better. So we didn't need those. Um, but the whole camera arm deal was just, you know, going through the setting up of a, of a base and then carrying the arm and then, you know, attaching some to it. I thought, man, this really sucks. And it, it's way better than what I started with, um, which was an arm. It was like an old fourth arrow that didn't even fit in the pack. So the base needed a church key and the whole nine. So um, now I'm using a, a little base called the Waypoint um, from out on a limb. I worked with Matt to develop that. And that holds my DJI OM5 gimbal. And that is basically my fluid head, if you will. And for those that don't know, the OM5 has a clip. You clip that onto your phone and it's magnetic and it just snaps right onto the gimbal. And so not only can I self-film from a tree and control zoom without having to pinch the screen, or for those of you that have the new phones that when you switch lenses, it's like basically cutting from one clip to another rather than smoothly zooming in. Um, you eliminate all that. You can zoom, you can pan, zoom, you know, whatever you need to do smoothly and efficiently. Um, control lighting, it basically sets up your phone to control it just like you'd control a DSLR, only obviously not at that level. So uh, then if I kill a deer or if I'm on my way in or, you know, whatever, I can use that gimbal to get amazing, stable, crisp footage, um, you know, B-roll, interviews, you name it. And it'll, um, it'll actively track me. And in some cases, I, I've not got to test this out yet, but in some cases you can actually have it active track an animal that you're trying to shoot. And while that's not going to be bulletproof, if it works for five seconds, that's all you needed to keep it at least a little in frame to get that bow drawn. Now, if you're gun hunting or crossbow hunting, it's a little easier, still difficult, but um, when, you, when you get into trying to draw a bow and keep an animal in frame, yeah, I, I could name like 20 channels where they killed a nice buck and he stepped out of frame as you hear the that, and then you're like, oh man. And I used to get pissed and now I feel so apologetic and sad <laughs> where I'm like, oh man, I, I feel you, bro. I'm so sorry. Right. So, um, so that's our setup. Uh, it, it's extremely light, extremely packable for the, the minimalistic guy who, you know, isn't looking to have a camera do everything in the world. Basically. Sure. Yeah. That's, so. that's enough to get it done. I mean, we're not out here creating a TV show by any means. So uh, we're not setting the world on fire with any of the, the footage that we're getting. We're just trying to create a little bit of content and capture the hunt for whatever reason you're capturing the hunt for. So that's pretty neat. I'm going to have to check that out. I, I saw the, the video that you did on it and I was like, man, that is freaking smart. And that's going to solve, that's going to solve a lot of people, some headaches. I got, Two years ago, I got out of self-filming because of all the shit you had to take with you. The the arms and the, everything. Like, I quit. Exactly. I quit doing. I'm a, I'm a, that is what I do. I film. 
and I quit doing it. I, I was like, I'm not, I'm just going to go hunt. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. If I film anything now, I vlog it and I'll have a GoPro and I'll have my phone. I don't take a camera with me to the woods anymore because I got too frustrated with it. I'll film other people, but, um, I don't sell filming a hunt for me is not a, it's not a priority for me because it was just too much of a hassle. I agree. That was literally the inspiration behind that is, you know, I had a buddy who is one of the best deer hunters that I know and the best turkey hunter I know. And the guy quit. He's on our film team and he just stopped taking a camera and he's like, I just, it's annoying. It's too much. And I'm like, damn it. So that sort of inspired me too. I'm like, we've got to get a damn camera in this guy's hands. And I don't know if you got to see so Brush Creek Monsters, the um, scent company at the expo this year, that's his dad and stepmother. And for their little like uh, vendor announcement, I put a video of a 180 something inch buck. That was him. And he had an encounter with that deer. Uh, I want to say it was late October. And he had, he'd had multiple encounters with this deer. Um, huge mainframe 12, uh, just a giant here in Ohio and he was filming with a phone and he just, he had the bucket 18 yards, but didn't have the right luck. <laughs> the oh, buck just, he, he, for whatever reason felt uneasy and rather than doing what almost every other buck would do, which is turn and go the way they come, then presents him with a 30 yard easy quartering away shot with an expandable and instead he goes 180 right away from him into the honeysuckle and was killed two days later on the neighboring farm. Yeah. Oh, what a heartbreaker. Uh, this, this year's kill yourself moment brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was rough. He was pretty roughed up about it, but um, you know, we praised him cause I mean, he, so he won, you know, he just didn't get to make a shot because he had some limbs in the way yeah. he got with an 18 year, 18, 18 years, 18 yards of a giant deer and had him right there for a few seconds and totally unaware. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. That was some cool footage. I, I saw that. Um, one thing I don't want to skip over here, but we're running a little long, so I want to get through everything, but, uh, I don't want to discount the archery background that you have. Um, the experience that you've had in IBO, um, what, uh, what, what, what's your bow set up, your arrow, your bow, your release as of right now, because of, uh, because of your experience then? So I am a huge, like balanced middle of the road guy. I know there's a movement for heavy arrows and there's an opposition with speed. <laughs> um, I'm a middle of the road guy. I don't like pin huge pin gaps. So I am running a PSE Evoke 35 set on 67 pounds. Um, my arrows are approximately 487 grains with 200 up front. I shoot a Bloodsport um, Gravedigger Extreme hybrid broadhead. It's an inch and a quarter fixed with a two and a quarter inch expandable. I started that last year. I shot three deer. Um, two of them died in exactly 22 seconds and the other one took a minute before it was expired. It bedded down in less than 20 seconds. Um, those are all on film for anybody that questions that, uh, my buck I shot went 27 yards tipped over. Um, 
Blood Trails were phenomenal. Uh, let's see, I Shoot the Black Eagle, um, X Impact equipped with the Focos, F-O-C-O-S system on the front. I love it because it adds weight to the front, but I also like it because it protects my arrow and adds structural integrity. And I think, you know, rather than all this weight and speed and everything, people really don't focus on the integrity of the arrow. And, and I'll be the first to admit the broadheads that I shoot are not like super strong. Like I would never want to hit bone with those, but I can also lay off a little bit with that too. Cause the holes looks like you threw a battle ax. Um, my site is an Excel AccuTouch Carbon Pro three pin. Uh, I, I, I only, I took the first pin out. Um, I only run two pins. It's a slider. And I took the factory fiber optics out and replaced it with a clear fiber optic and I run an auto light. So that essentially, this is kind of cool. This is probably my favorite piece of archery gear that I have. It's a light that turns your sight light on when you draw back, oh, release shoot. and let down. So it only it's only on then. Now you run clear fiber optics. So if something fails, you are screwed pretty much and you're using a black pin if you're lucky enough to see that. I run 10,000 spins because I have a sight light. I'm thinking of trying to uh, get a better sight and go to 15,000, which is in between. Sure. Um, but other than that, uh, I shoot a true ball abyss release. It's a thumb button. And uh, I want to say I have the um, Hamskia Trinity as an arrow rest. That's a, that's a solid setup. Uh, conquest stabilizer. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. That's a solid setup. I, I agree with you on most of the things you said there and I align very similarly. Uh, what do you disagree with? The high FOC. I'm not a high FOC guy. I'm not big on it. I, I like a little weight up front and I like the structural integrity more than anything, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally agree with the structural integrity of it real quick. Let's get through these rapid fire questions here. Fixed blade or mechanical broadheads? Hybrid. Yeah, that was good. I was like, we kind of answered that one earlier, but so fixed. If we're hunting out west, and I'm taking 60, 70, 80 yard shots. Fixed all day, every day. Sure. Uh, camo or solids? Solids. Like it. Saddle or stand? Have you got to pick one? Oh. What do you find yourself using more often? Saddle. Uh, so double step or single step on your six? Double. Your favorite pack? Mystery Ranch pop-up 28. Favorite boots? Uh, the uh, Zamberlin Lynx. Hmm, nice answer. Favorite individual piece of gear all around? That is so difficult. Um, I'm going to be a nerd and say milkweed. Oh, I like that. W- this might be the same answer. One thing you won't hunt without. An app that helps me find my way and look at look at everything you know topos and the whole night i have to have my my hunting apps what do you choose for that what's your go-to spartan forge but i I have almost every single one on my phone oh yeah i'm the same way and one question that we like to ask everyone here uh with exodus what's the favorite piece of content that you watched or listened to this past week so i don't want to sound you know i was i was reading that um I don't want to seem like a brown noser or anything here, but um, I watched it today and I was actually, I was 
I was researching you. I like to do my research on everything. So I was going over all of your episodes with the Deer Gear podcast. And I noticed somebody in particular that you had interviewed and I read a little bit about it. And you mentioned they were on Whitetail Cribs. The episode with Josh Stubbs on Whitetail Cribs is my favorite piece of content that I've listened to this week. I like that. I like that. Uh, the guys at Elevate, Josh, they're, I mean, they're pretty awesome. He told us about Elevate during that episode, but he didn't say what it was. He said, I have something coming really soon that people are going to be excited about. I just can't tell you about it yet. And Oh, dude, it's so cool to see. That's what's coolest about this expo is watching all these different companies pop up. And I just have, I was like, hey, I'm a, I don't care. I'm reaching out to them. And I'm reaching out to everybody. And I did. And uh, now they're coming out with some crazy stuff. Chris, I really appreciate the time and the conversation. And uh, I, I, I learned a lot myself and I'm excited to follow along with the season that you have coming up. If anyone wants to hear more from you, I know you have your own podcast. You have a lot of stuff going on. Where can people check you out? Yeah, so pretty much type in Fueled by the Outdoors in YouTube. That's our channel, Fueled by the Outdoors. Our podcast is available on our all major platforms. And again, that's Fueled by the Outdoors. We have a Facebook group with 20,000 people, Fueled by the Outdoors. And then, of course, um, I post quite a bit on the Mobile Hunters Expo uh, business page as well. So. If anyone's looking for some Mobile Hunter gear or wants to try it out, please, guys, go check out the Mobile Hunters Expo. Check out the Facebook page and see what it's all about. Chris, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, brother.